Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows on respectliferadio.com. Our special guest today, actually a guest reappearing, is Layla Miller. Uh, She is an author, a writer, whose passion is the Catholic teaching on marriage, family, human sexuality. If you remember, we did a two-part series with her on that book she did with Trent Horn called Made This Way, which is a fantastic book. Highly recommend people get that. You can get it at Catholic Answers. Uh, But today we're going to be talking about what happens to adult children of divorce. And it's a book that uh, Layla wrote called Primal Loss, The Now Adult Children of Divorce Speak. And so, Layla, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. I'm so glad to be back. Well, you know, Layla, you know, when we scheduled this, I started doing even more research online, and I was astounded at how many YouTube videos, how many articles. But one of the things that really struck me, and and we'll get into why you wrote the book, but I would see adults start the YouTube video by saying, you know, this happened when I was a late teen or early 20, and, you know, I'm over it now. They're 30 or 40. And as they tell their story, about halfway through, they start crying. So you realize they're really not over it. It's not something you can just, you know, zip up, put in the, in the uh, suitcase and forget about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's something with you at all times. What made you write or put this book together? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was just going about my little oblivious life, uh, 50 years old at the time. I hadn't had any contact really with divorce in my own life. Or, I'm not a child of divorce. I'm not divorced. Um, and I have a, a little circle of, of Catholic friends, and one of those friends um, is a child of divorce, and she's in her 40s, she had six kids at the time, and she um, occasionally in our conversations she would just talk about something that was a complication or an issue that was related to the fallout of the divorce of her parents when she was about six years old. And it would be something to do with stepmothers or, um, you know, step-siblings or um, going to do the holidays or just different things. Um, and her dad, you know, now having a new wife with different, his priorities had switched and it, all these different things. And I thought, wow, wait, I, I never, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what this kind of burden or complication is. So I, I started to ask her about it occasionally, and she'd tell me more, and I was just, stunned, and I thought, I wonder if other people are still dealing with this type of fallout. I had told her, you know, you should write about this. Her name is Alicia. I dedicated the book to her. And she said, oh, yeah, maybe I will. And anyway, she never did. So what I did was I said, I'm going to just put out a questionnaire on my social media platforms, and I'm going to see if see what people say. And so I got back I just eight, eight questions off the top of my head. People knew they were going to be anonymous if, you know, they answered. Right. And I, what, the answers I got back... From, I mean, I had over 100 people in the first day or two that wanted to answer the questionnaire. By the time it was all done, only about, there was 70 that I included their answers in the book, and they were the ones who could emotionally actually go through with answering the questions. Right. And I was floored, floored by the similarities, um, by, the, by the isolation and the fact that they hadn't really been asked these questions ever, and yet they came from all different walks of life and different um, you know, bad divorce versus good divorce versus, you know, uh, male, female, um, little when they experienced the divorce, own when they experienced the divorce. And everything was so similar that I just, it, it just blew me away. 
So it, it, it's been quite an eye opener. Well, and, and yeah, and I, you know, I hear it over and over again. I was, I was looking at YouTube videos, just listening to people. And I think unless you're attuned to it, you're not listening. And I think your book really helps you be attuned to and appreciate uh, the people that have gone through this, children, adults, whoever. But I think, you know, one of the things that I took from this is, and, and I guess we probably should say it up front, look, if somebody's in an abusive relationship, you know, obviously get to safety, you, you shouldn't be in that type of relationship. So, you know, I don't want anybody saying, well, Deacon's saying you need to stay in a marriage even if it's, you know, abusive. No, we don't want that. But what I see is people just assume that kids will be fine, they'll get it, they're resilient, and they also, they like to, you know, look at it as the terms that they have no uh, no responsibility. It's almost like fairy dust settled upon them, and they're a victim of circumstance. We just kind of fell out of love. We don't love each other anymore. So we're going to go look for that love somewhere else. And the kids suffer and, and and you know looking at your book it's not only when they're little it's it's when they're adults it, it it's there's a ripple effect and it just doesn't seem to stop well what divorce does is it makes children homeless so all of a sudden they go from having a home and an identity to not right and they have two homes and they're traveling between homes and you know things that the adults would never allow for themselves you know you'd never tell an adult oh you have to switch homes every few days and bring all your stuff with you and um, but we do this to the kids, and then we allow them to um, split their identity so that, you know, in one set of, in one household, they are one person with one set of rules and one, and one whole half of their family that they're not allowed to talk about, that's their whole life, but they can only talk about this half of their family. And then when they go to the other house, they can only talk about that half of their life. So, so you, from the beginning, you've given these kids, um, you know, a, 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 they're homeless, and they, and they have a split identity. And then you, you extrapolate and you take that throughout the rest of their lives, including when they can't uh, navigate their own relationships because they don't know how, and they've never seen it happen. And then you realize, well, but the parents, we as a society, we say, well, you know, marriage is really about romance. It's about feeling good and feeling happy and, you know, if it's your soulmate. And then you feel like, you know, the parents go on and they, they, they don't have to think about it anymore because they are happy now. They've moved on to the person or the life they want, and it's over for them in, in one sense. But for the child, it's never like that. Add on to that the fact that the children, the cause of their destruction, really, in many ways, are the very people whom they love the most and whom they are completely vulnerable to, their parents, and they're not going to speak in ways that would harm their life because honestly you you when you're little you you rely on your parents for everything that's right shelter love affirmation education everything so you go with the narrative when you're a kid and at some point along the line and again this happens a lot of times in their 20s and 30s or when they go to get married or navigate their own lives things start to fall apart and they don't even necessarily know to connect it to the divorce because the narrative has been so strong that they shouldn't be feeling bad about this that, you know, they see themselves as the problem. I, it must be me. You know, I must be crazy if I'm still feeling bad about something. So there's all this mess, you know, and then they get sent to therapy. They get put on medication because they're a behavioral problem. They're the issue. And it's never connected back to the actions and choices of the adults. So it's a, it's a mess. Well, it is, and, and it's unfortunate. And, you know, and, you know, it can be perpetuated because, you know, you listen to people talk and you read – uh, stories on people from divorce, 
you know, they may be doing fine for a while and then Christmas comes up or a wedding comes up or something comes up and it it's like you just keep bringing back these memories because now you're dealing with the dysfunction that was never addressed to begin with. Exactly. And and every happy occasion, you know, everything that we did, I never I never thought a thing about, you know, my child's baptism or when I got married or when I graduated. Every one of these beautiful life occasions becomes an occasion of stress. Right. An occasion of um, great anxiety. I mean, the anxiety levels of, you know, trying to navigate who... Who's going to sit where? Um, is that person going to not want to talk to that person? Is the is the new romance coming? And my mom's going to be there too, or is, you know, who who do I text first to invite? Who wasn't going to be offended because I, you know, all these things that you don't even think about when it goes back years to just when people decided we can't get along, or you know, or in some cases it's one person who abandoned the other. And so a lot of times that we have to remember that, that one of the parents never wanted to break right. the family. But Absolutely. With, with no fault divorce, you don't have a choice. You, 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 the innocent person is always going to lose So um, in court. So, yeah. So it's really, it's, it's a huge non-ending. It's the gift that keeps on taking, as some of the adult children of divorce have described it. Well, and it, it you know it makes perfect sense, and I've I've actually even heard some adult children, and actually uh, even smaller ones, you know, both parents confide in the kid or, or the adult. And so that person is hearing both sides of the story. And as you said earlier, they can only talk about half of their life. I mean, yes. geez, talk about adding some more weight onto the shoulders. Yes. The stress and the, you know, the compartmentalization of your own life is so, again, I'd like to challenge any adult to try that. To say, oh, okay, um, well, with certain of the people in my household um, uh, or, you know, my extended family, I can only talk about four people, and I can't talk about the other people I love. Or, you know, go to, you, you know, some of these kids, they have um, half-siblings and step-siblings, and some, like their half-siblings, would have their whole intact family because they're born after the divorce and the new right. relationship. Right, right. They have their entire family portrait on the wall at their home, but the kid that goes from house to house never has his or her portrait anywhere with his or her whole family. You know, I mean, there's all these different things. So then you feel like you're less than because that kid, your, your sister has, has full time with both her parents in one home while you get to go back and forth between two homes and you can't talk about it. I mean, and that's just, um, you know, that's just during childhood, you know, sporting events and all that. But then when you, there's a chapter I have in the book where I said, how does, your, how does this affect your marriage or your, right. or your views on marriage? That part is so heartbreaking because they bring into the marriage all of these insecurities and this inability to um, even let their guard down. Because to them, what they've seen is that conflict leads to permanent separation. And if I even do this or that wrong, he or she is going to kick me to the curb. And can you imagine you know, living a curb. life on eggshells like that? And that's the thing. They do. I went to my marriage, like I've said, I gave a couple of talks where I said, I went to my marriage not even thinking. I was just like, this is great. You know, I wasn't concerned with divorce. I wasn't concerned with anxiety. I wasn't consumed with anxiety. And yet we have some of the people in the book who, who literally were squirreling away money in their sock drawers and who were, one lady was so, she was married to a saint, she said, and he never was going to leave her, but she said she was in such anxiety over when is this going to end that she almost became suicidal a few years into it because she just couldn't get past this fear and you know now 30 years in i think she said i finally re- recognize he's not going anywhere 
but that kind of thing, I can't even <laughs> comprehend. No, it's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then we wonder why our families are breaking apart in the Catholic Church. You know, why, why is there so much? Well, because half of the kids out there are, have gone through this experience, and they don't know how to do a marriage. They don't even know um, that you, you have a, a marriage is a safe place for you to be able to make some mistakes in your life and still be loved at the end of the day. And they don't see that. No, they don't see they that. Yeah. yeah, and then and a lot of them become pleasers. You know, I have to be perfect or else I will be unlovable and then I will be discarded. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine going through life thinking you can never make a mistake. You have to agree with everything that person says, even if it's not true that they'll leave. Just having that thought, your perception is your reality. And so you're, yeah. living, you're living in constant fear that something bad is going to happen. Because sometimes, you know, you read stories that people come, they come home and dad or mom is already packed up and gone. And they had no idea that it was going to happen. And then bring that into right. adult life. Wow. Right. That's, it's stark terror. I mean, it is, um, it is stark terror. I, I don't think, I think when the parents are going through their own emotional crises and they're, you know, they're not really thinking about what's going to happen with the kids. They're like, oh, the kids will be fine. The kids will be fine. I just have to get out of this bad marriage. I just have to leave. And they don't think about what's going to happen. These are the same parents, you know, God love them. It's the same parents who would throw themselves in front of a bullet for a child. But when it comes to this particular issue, they think the child's just going to somehow miraculously be fine. And that's what I'm trying to dispel, is this doesn't actually happen. And all social science bears this out. I mean, secular social science as well. This is a huge mountain of evidence that the kids are not okay. Um, so, yeah. And, and it's funny, you mentioned, you know, you, you don't notice it until you, you look into it. People like you and I who you know, aren't from divorce. Then I started to look at all these different things, like even things like, you know, Kurt Cobain's suicide years ago. You know, his right. number one thing was his parents' divorce. You look at when they, they recently did uh, The Two Princes, Harry and, and uh, Charles, uh, not Charles, uh, William. Right. And they had this thing on Lady Diana's uh, anniversary of her death where they interviewed the two of them. And they both said that the divorce was the worst thing that happened to them in their lives. And then... She herself had said that her parents' divorce was the worst. I mean, you, you start to tune in to what the stories are, and then you realize this plays a huge part in these disasters of people who can't um, get over these, these certain events in their lives. It's, it's the divorce. It goes back to the divorce. So it, it's, it's really good to have those, um, those antenna up to really start acknowledging uh, really what the catechism says, which is that this creates chaos and uh, disorder in society and in families. And it is, I, I think the catechism uses the word, um, it traumatizes the children and the abandoned spouses, of course. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a big deal, and we're, we're whistling, you know, we're whistling Dixie, not realizing what's happening here. Well, and yeah, yeah and to, to think that, you know, we can just keep saying, well, kids will get over it, blah, blah, blah. Can you imagine if somebody went to one of us as adults and said, I, doing whatever they want, Put some trauma in our lives and say, "Oh, you'll get over it." Hmm. Nobody would buy that. <laughs> They'd be like, right. "You got to be kidding me!" That's 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 not an answer. That that's just right. passing the buck. And yet we say it with kids. You know, whether it's you know uh, reproductive technology, whatever. It's almost like kids are a right as opposed to a gift, and you can treat them any way you want, and they just got to have to figure it out. When usually 
you know, we're responsible. You know, our kids are going to grow up based on the model we set. And if we don't take that seriously, then how are we going to hold these kids accountable? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the children are sort of the accessory to the adult's desires or what the adults have decided that they want to do. In all those cases, IVF, right. Right. Um, you know, gay adoption, or whatever it is. Uh, the kids are just the accessory, and they go along with the adult desires. And it never was that way. What I try to tell people when they're thinking of divorce or they're, um, you know, they think, oh, it's not gonna, it won't be that bad for them, it won't be that bad. I, I, I try to explain what you're doing. That this is not, the marriage isn't just between you and your husband, for example. Like there's right. a lot of women leaving these days. Right. I say it's not between you and your husband. This is a family that your child has a God-given right to this family. This is the child's family. So you are taking something that isn't just yours and your husband's to decide. The child has every bit as much a stake in his or her family and every, every bit a right, and even more so, to this family structure, because it's really God-created marriage so that children could grow up in safety in a family unit. Um, he has every right to it. To that the child does so when when we encourage and i know that a lot of us have done, i've done this in the past god forgive me when we sort of tacitly encourage someone who's in a sad marriage or oh i don't know if it's not the right person we encourage them to go rather than to double down and really work right then we're basically encouraging the destruction of the children's family I, and we never think about that i never thought about the kids when i was saying things like that to a few dozen no couple friends no you don't think I about it about because they'll be resilient right we were, were all you know we were sold that line a long time ago. Yep, they'll get over it, they'll move on. It's their new normal, and it just doesn't happen that way. I, um, I'll tell you a little story, if you have a minute. Yeah, yeah sure, good, just, great. Just today I got an email from a friend who uh, divorced her husband years ago, and she has been kind of awakened recently to what happened. You know, and he's kind of struggling. You know, he's, he's a young adult now. And she sent me something in the email, and she said, Layla, I don't know how I was this blind, but there's a picture she sent where he, he drew a picture of Mommy and Daddy with hearts, and they're holding hands, and there's, like, um, angels coming down from heaven. And then there was a, a note that she said, how did I not see this? How did I not see this? He said, thank you. I love you both for being good mom and dad. And, um, you know, I think of you as angels from heaven who came down to love me. And I really, really got sad when you divorced. Thank you for letting Daddy come over on Fridays. And P.S., I really wish Daddy could still live in our home. And she, this was years ago. She's pulling this out now, realizing she was in so much turmoil and just dealing with the stress of the divorce. And it, she never really took that seriously. It was like, oh, gosh. And now she said to me just today, how could I have been so blind? How could I have been so selfish? Why didn't I see this? And so I just want to, my heart goes out. Yeah, to sure. People who are in struggling marriages. And yet we want to make them aware that this is not going to go away and that those are, those are true, those feelings, those kids, they can't say much. But what they say, you know, is covering a profound loss and a profound wound that isn't just going to heal itself. No, I didn't look at all these years later. She probably went through a box of tissues after seeing that picture oh, and reading she it. she has been sobbing. I mean, I, I can't tell. She's just, and it's sort of like, and again, I, I know I'm kind of going off here on something. Get me talking and you never know what I'm going to say. But the, there, it's similar to the way that the parents a lot of times will not acknowledge the harm that a divorce has done to their child. Number one, because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it. Well, they don't want to accept responsibility either. It's, 
that's right. It's so painful. If you really understood, and that's why my friend's been sobbing for, you know, ever since she realized this, and she, she started to realize this a few months ago, and she just can't stop crying. But it, it, it's like the woman who's post-abortive. At a certain point, they stop defending it, and if they're strong enough, they can start to accept that something very wrong happened, right. that there was an injustice, and that, that they have to look at it and say, yep, it, it caused a incalculable harm. And once they do that, they can start to heal. But a lot of parents, I get it. I mean, I'm a mother. If I thought that I caused even a little bit of harm to my kid, I don't want to talk about it. I'll probably be defensive about it and say, no, no, you know, it wasn't that bad. And <laughs> so this is something that can't be usually even undone. And you, no wonder parents can't face it. They don't want to believe that it could cause this much damage. And yet it does, and we have to face it. Well, and I think, you know, we, you know, as married couples and, you know, I've been married over 30 years, you've been married a long time. I mean, we have to understand it's not all a bed of roses. I mean, we all go through times where it's it. We just have to kind of slog it out and get through it. And the thing is, I'm sure you'd say the same thing. You know, my marriage is better today than it was the first time I got married. I mean, by far, you know, we've been in the foxhole together. We battled things out. You know, she listens to about 30% of what I say. It's taken her 30 years to find out which 30%. That's why we're, that's why we get along so well. But the bottom line is, you know, you go through these wars and it makes you stronger as opposed to quitting, ruining the children and regretting not being a battle. You know, it's, you know, flight or fight. And, you know, in a marriage, you got to fight. Exactly. And it, it, what people don't want to accept, and this is, we are Catholic, right? We understand that the, the vocation that we are called to, that is also our cross. I mean, that, the cross, though, is the way to our sanctification. And so if we throw off the cross, and some people have said, you know, divorce is throwing off the cross on your own shoulders and putting it on the shoulders of your kids. Right. Um, if we don't accept the cross, we can't get to the redemption. And so, ironically, this is kind of funny, I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of editing the follow-up book, which is, Basically, uh, in, in Primal Lost, Chapter 10 is all stories of hope. That's after all the other stuff, there's, there's some marriages that were just really bad, and they came through. Right. And so my bishop and, and, and our director of vocations here both said, we really like that chapter, and we need a whole book of that. So <laughs> I've been editing stories, which are just kind of what you said, which is you could be in some really dark times in your marriage, and if you just bail you're not going to, first of all, know what God had in store on the other side of that cross. And usually it's a year or two later, you, statistically they say you will feel better in your marriage, you will overcome, um, you know, even secular studies have shown that. Yeah. People have that escape, you know, clause, they, they just, they leave too soon before they've worked to where God wants to get them through that purification. And so that's what marriage is. It's a lifetime of this struggle to get to the holiness that God has in, in store through that sacrament. So what we're doing is we're thwarting, we're thwarting um, God's plan for our, our sanctification. That's our, that's our state in life. So it, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, I've been married 29 years, and same thing. Like, I'm just learning now wonderful things about my husband, about, my, you know, about our vocation, about who we are, that I couldn't have dreamed that I would have known when I was you know, mad at him at year 10 or something because right. you know, he didn't... He wasn't the perfect person anymore, whatever. Well, now you can laugh at it, right? Now you look back and, and you laugh about it together because you, you battled through it. and it, 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 that's, that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. It, 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 you know, we can't end the story in the middle. I just always say that you just can't end the story in the middle. Wait till you get to this great part later. You know, this is now we're having grandchildren. It's wonderful, right? And it's a whole other life. It's it's 
It's what you work toward. And you do have to work toward times where you're not going to like your spouse. And, and in fact, I mean, I have so many stories in my book where you might hate your spouse and yeah. you might um, treat each other horribly for a season or a time. And then you, you know, you get back to the things that matter and you recognize this is your child's family. Um, pull it together. <laughs> and people do. It's amazing. One of my friends, Leanne Abel, who does a lot of work with the adult children of divorce, uh, she, she makes that case that, you know, this marriage is a life's work, and it's, it's that way. God makes it permanent on earth because, you know, until the death of one spouse, because you need a lifetime of safety, knowing that, you know what, these people are going to love me, and I'm going to love these people no matter what we do. This is like Christ. Christ yeah. will love us in our sinfulness, in our stupid mistakes, in our seasons of, you know, ugliness, and he's still going to be there. And so that's what we do in a marriage. It's a lifetime of safety, really. And so if you have hanging over you, like, again, like these kids do, um, this threat that it's not permanent, it's just, it's only until he or she doesn't love me anymore, you know, then I'm, I'm toast. That is a heavy burden to carry well and in the end i think you touched on it you just said love right people have distorted the meaning of love it's to will the good of the other it's Mm -hmm. not this like fuzzy feeling now that could be a little piece of it but if you're looking for euphoria for you know 50 years of marriage then you should never get married because that ain't never gonna happen right and people used to know that that's the difference in the old days you know anytime before like i don't know the sexual revolution or all these you know romantic comedies and and uh romantic novels and Everybody knew marriage was an honorable estate that was about creating a family that is a permanent, you know, thing and that you go for it and you, you do it in honor and you love because you, you know, you're getting your family to heaven and you, it's not a feeling because, yeah, you're going to go through all sorts of emotions come and go. Right. But now we have this idea that marriage is supposed to fulfill you're every, you know, for women, I can only speak for women, you know, women always go in thinking, well, you know, he's going to fulfill my emotional needs, you know, I'm going to be, uh, it's going to be this romance. And it's like, what? Nobody ever used to think <laughs> that, you know? And well, anybody who thinks a guy is going to fulfill anybody's emotional needs Bingo. probably needs yeah. counseling right to, to begin with. So yeah. we're down, I can't believe we're down to about 30 seconds. How can people follow what you're doing and, and find out about some of the other books you've written and, and kind of keep track of, especially with the new book coming out? Sure. So, um, my website is LaylaMiller.net, and it's L-E-I-L-A, Miller.net. And even the PDF of Primal Loss is there for free for anyone who wants it. Um, and uh, my new book, yeah, all that will be on the, the website. So feel free to check in there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And, uh, I mean, a great topic, a hard topic, but a great topic that people need to be aware of, especially, you know, like you and I, if we're, if we're not from that and we're not aware of it, then shame on us. No.